The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. For the week trending, I'm delighted that we are joined by the author Adele Coffey and by Dave Hanratty as well to talk about stories of the week. And I want to start with TikTok because the boss of the Chinese app was in front of Congress in the United States yesterday defending TikTok from allegations or surveillance and sending data back to China and for spying effectively. Uh, so, Adele, do you have TikTok on your phone? I do have TikTok on my phone. And Why? I, um, I suppose I, I set it up in a kind of I need to promote myself way when I wrote the book, actually. I didn't have TikTok before then. And I, I'm, my presence is very small on it, actually. I, I post very rarely. Um, I can't actually remember the last time I posted, probably about a month ago. Do you do funny ago. videos of yourself or something? Um, uh, that's not for me to say. <laughs> Hopefully they are entertaining. But yeah, I, I have considered deleting it since um, all this news uh, about um, data usage and um, how it's being used but at the same time I think is it not just the same as I, I haven't deleted Instagram I haven't deleted Twitter you know I think we all sacrifice our privacy so easily and the fact that um, That's TikTok a good is point. based and in I want China to come back to that in a second but Dave do you have TikTok on your phone? Uh, I do not, no, because uh, as a man who turns 39 years of age this summer, I kind of feel like I'm just, I, I think I've aged out of it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I just think as well, I've hit a, I've, I've hit a phase in my life, Matt, where less is more when it comes to the social media game, I think. I got, I'm leaving that for my for my niece and my nephews. That's that's their corner of the world, and I, I, I'm over here, you know? I refuse to grow old. <laughs> <laughs> but would you be concerned about if you have an app like that on your phone that you can effectively, that all your data for everything else can effectively be taken by the manufacturers of that app. Yeah, and that's what this kind of uh, sit-down in the US Congress is about, which is a rare uh, instance of Democrats and Republicans being on the same page as they seek to grill. It's always a grilling, by the way, whenever there's any kind of, you know, it's never a polite conversation, it's always a grilling. Um, I think that that concern, while valid, is very old at this stage, right? Because, I mean, like, for anyone who lives their life terminally online, as many of us do, no matter what the app is, you are signing away. Like, you have to almost anticipate at this point that anything that you download on your phone, be it a streaming service or something incredibly frivolous that you might use once, you've got to give away some personal information. And we don't know where it's going. This is the problem. And TikTok is being investigated right now for, you know, very kind of nefarious claims that the parent company in China is in fact harvesting this data that we can see. The US are trying to kind of take it off the market, essentially. There's an element as well of them, I think, looking for their kind of slice of the pie. This is obviously a very, very profitable thing. Mm. But I do think, like I say, it's, it's very, very difficult. I was going to say impossible. Maybe some people have mastered it. Let me know. But to live off the grid, so to speak, these days, you know, like, like you are connected. This is the most hyper-connected the world has ever been. And I think at a certain point you have to accept the fact that you have, in fact, lost that data somewhere. There's another issue that people worry about is the algorithms promote certain videos mm. to try and get... And apparently it's things like self-harm, suicide, eating disorders. Those type of videos apparently do get promoted, which would make some people wonder, is this some sort of nefarious plot as well to try and destabilise the Western world? Yeah, and I mean, that is one of the biggest concerns that has come through in this um, congressional um, questioning of um, TikTok's CEO was that idea that um, the way that the Chinese government 
government would be manipulating US users, of which there are 150 million, would be the sort of the influence and the, the videos that it's showing them, um, which could be things like that, you know, could be, you know, conspiracy theory stuff that would be designed to turn users against um, their own government, perhaps, um, whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all possible. See, Dave, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist myself <laughs> in bringing this forward, but Xi Jinping, the president for life in China, who has shown himself in recent years to be very much interested in using Chinese firms to take whatever they can from the Western world, a lot of suggestions of intellectual property theft as well as spying. I mean, he was this week in Russia uh, giving soccer to Vladimir Putin. The problem is transparency, isn't it? Because, I mean, like, it's a case of how much access will we, especially as users of these apps, actually have? I mean, like, it seems like at the top of the table, there's all kinds of denials occurring. I mean, the head of TikTok initially said that, I think it was, that they don't have shares in the parent company. And then when press said, oh, actually, no, I do. So, like, fair enough, people are going to try and hide whatever kind of level of power they have in this. But it is a case of where does it end and how much of ourselves are we giving away? The problem is it's it's so hard to quantify. It's so hard to actually know specifically what they know. Also, we worry that, yes, we give away information to the likes of Meta through Facebook and Instagram and we give it to Twitter, but that at least it's not nation states taking advantage of that information. And there have been efforts by the likes of the Data Protection Commissioner here in Ireland on behalf of the European Union to fine companies like Meta for activities on Facebook and Instagram when they get things wrong. Yeah, which, I mean, like, is long overdue, I would say. And, like, it all comes down to regulation, of which it doesn't appear to be quite a lot of. I mean, all these things sound like steps in the right direction, but I'm, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist, but I'm of the opinion that the more money you have, the more power you have, the easier it will be for you to kind of wiggle out of these things. I think from a from an individual point of view and from a user perspective, you have to kind of naively hope that, well, look, I'm just a nobody on the street. They're not going to really go after my data, are they? But then again, this could be an open door to hackers around the world to be like, yeah, this is pretty easy, isn't but it? But they are being investigated for um, accessing some of their engineers' access to journalists' data, for example, that was last year. So Which they denied at first and then admitted. And then said they had but, sacked the engineers. But what about Ireland's position in all of this? Because while the European Commission and European Parliament has told all officials and politicians get deleted from your phone and we've also had the likes of the BBC telling journalists to get it mm. off their phones we in Ireland have done nothing is that down to the fact that we have over 3,000 TikTok employees here in Ireland, another 1,000 to be added and we actually have two giant data centres under construction which apparently is going to hold all of the European information which then will not be allowed back to China Mm, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's very difficult to deny that that is not an influence. It has to be. Um, but there's certainly, it seems like we're stepping back from it at the moment and waiting to see what happens in the US. But there's a huge amount of hypocrisy involved, I think, um, not just here and the fact that we don't seem to be doing anything about it, but even in the US, the way they seem to, that, you know, why have they not just banned it? You know, why have they just not disallowed it in their in their country? Which um, India did apparently yeah, back exactly. in 2020. You know, well, maybe it's to do with democracy, I don't know. But um, may, maybe the reason they haven't is to do with the amount of users that uh, 
the amount of American users who are on it. And there's also, the, I mean, like this goes back to the, the whole Apple tax bill thing that Ireland were never going to call in. I mean, I, I think Ireland are too quick to kind of lick boot when it comes to big businesses coming in here and giving them the opportunity to do whatever they want because, you know, it's money at the end of the day. And yeah, I might not want to rock the boat with individual jobs right now, but ultimately, I think it all comes down to money. It all comes down to how much money people are willing to but, give. Because Ireland clearly is worried about China. When Eamon Ryan led the Irish delegation for St. Patrick's Day, the delegation was all told to leave their laptops and phones at home. They were given burner phones because they were told if they brought their <laughs> own with them that the Chinese would actually intercept them. Mm. Incredibly sinister. And again, I'm reminded of like a documentary I saw years ago by Facebook in which Mark Zuckerberg was, there's a photograph of him or a video of him in the office and it showed his personal laptop or his work laptop and there was like a piece of blue tack or a post-it note or something over the webcam. And I was like, well, if the head of Facebook is taking that very remedial measure, like is that paranoia or is that inside knowledge that we should all be looking to and being like, maybe I should do the same thing? I feel like he could have used a more high-tech sort of <laughs> defense mechanism for his laptop than a piece of blue tack. He's the old cam. school, old school guy. <laughs> okay, let's move on to other things. And of course, Donald Trump came to power and lots of suggestions that he was helped by Russian influence. He, it's, of course, it's the porn star Stormy Daniels that might bring him down now, it seems. But did Donald Trump deliberately and wrongly create an expectation that he was going to be arrested this week, Adele? Yeah, apparently he did. Um, and, and I'm not quite sure why he did, whether it was to sort of incite some sort of riot, which seems to have been the suggestion. But um, he, he hasn't been arrested yet. And um, the district attorney of New York, who's investigating this, um, they they made a comment to say sort of we don't comment on on these things and we will comment when we need to but um yeah it seems like he he's trying to sort of whip up um the same sort of um spirit and feeling as he did when um with the capital essentially Jan- uh, the January 6th rights it's interesting though Dave as well that he really tries to whip it up another thing on, on this truth social or whatever he calls it uh, condemning the likelihood that he's going to be arrested but saying that they're doing so knowing that potential death and destruction is such a false charge could be catastrophic for our country and then to take back your country yeah the language is extremely incendiary and quite familiar as Adele says now I will say like I said earlier on about how I'm like you know removing social media platforms from, from my from my life. I've never been on Truth Social and I never will be because my Neither politics... Neither but it's just somebody took a <laughs> snapshot and put it up on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it, do, it do, you're, you're, you're correct. It does escape those, those those very, very right-wing walls. But at the same time, I just think people are fed up with the guy. I, yes. I don't think he has the power or the influence he once had. I mean, granted, it could change if we get like incredible media photographs of him being dragged out of his house in handcuffs, but I don't even know if that's going to happen. This could very well have been a false flag operation of, of his own making. Uh, what, what I come back to, though, here, like this whole kind of indictment situation or whatever, it's like it's, it all stems back to, as you said, the porn star Stormy Daniels and an alleged 130,000 uh, US dollar hush money thing. But it's like, well, that didn't really work, did it? You know, like, that is not money well spent. This is, you Streisand affected yourself so hard here, buddy. You know, like, I wouldn't have sympathy for the guy at the best of times, but like, my God. Yeah. And then, of course, Fox News has been very much to his aid over the years. Its owner, Rupert Murdoch, is getting married for the fifth time no. at the age of 94, Adele. And he says he hopes that he'll enjoy the second half of his life now after this they're, marriage. They're planning on spending the second half of their lives together, he said, um, which might actually make sense if you realise the fact that his wife-to-be is 66. But, um, you know, it was said tongue-in-cheek, I think. But he, it's interesting. People are saying it's... You know, why is he getting married? Like, why not just like 
um, be in love and be free, considering the previous four marriages have ended so badly. Uh, Jerry Hall being the last wife, obviously. But um, some wags have suggested that, well, marriage is a much more interesting news story uh, when you're being investigated as Fox News is being for um, votes. Um, a distraction strategy, is it? That's, that's the... The cynical uh, take on it, which is terribly offensive to love and romantics everywhere. She has some very strange views too that she expressed during lockdown. Just she's a little bit of a sort of a covert conspiracy. No way! way. Can't can't believe that these souls would be drawn together. How strange! <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, she's sixty-six. I think he's ninety-two. Just saying, I'm, I'm not. Like, he's Sorry like, for adding a couple of years. I mean, to listen. Him there, I mean, like, like, I hate to step in and defend the man's honor here, but yeah, ninety-two. I mean, like, it's such a strange one. He's confessed to some nerves over this. He's like, oh, you know, I hope this is the one and again he said he was, he was <laughs> dreading falling in love again he, he met her and he's like oh no like you know the, the feeling of dread as he started to feel himself falling in love it's like. a great promotion for the first edition of this fourth series of Succession which comes back Absolutely, next week yeah. on the television yeah. loosely modelled on the Burdock story loosely yeah not yeah. so loosely underline the word loosely yeah I mean like also you know as one hopeless romantic to another you know like I, I hope these two crazy kids make it you know good good for them mm. okay we'll have more in the week trending with Dave Hanrat he host of the No Uncle Core podcast and with author Adele Coffey after this. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So we're going to the week trending now with Adele Coffey and Dave Hanrat here with us. And uh, let's talk about something, a story on the independent.ie website today, which caught my eye, Adele, about house purchases in Mayo and the disappointment that a number of families are going to have having put down deposits and gone sale agreed on new built houses in Ballinrobe. Yeah, this is kind of verging on the tragic in the current climate around housing. We have seven houses in an estate in Mayo in Ballinrobe. Um, they had been sale agreed and... And then the, the the young families, the couples who have uh, put down a six thousand euro deposit on these houses, were told um, that all of the houses have been sold to a single buyer. So they've been gazumped effectively. Yeah. Remember that word from the Celtic Times. Yeah, and apparently they've like given notice on where they live or gone sale agreed on their own houses. Are the excitement of actually having your own home to go to, organising the finance, which can be very stressful as well, getting ready that you're going to furnish a house and then suddenly been told, well, actually, no, we've decided to give the house to somebody else, Dave. I mean, it's... <sighs> We're we're in this strange time, this strange week, this banner week for the Irish government, and just you know, like with the obviously the much discussed eviction ban being overturned. Uh, these stories don't stop. These stories, like, there's always one. There's always one waiting around the corner. And I think you know, in this case, obviously, like it's this bizarre situation where someone has swooped in and just, as you say, gazumped. But we're hearing more and more of these cases where someone, like someone that we all know, will go view a house, put down like a deposit or agree a fee, and then all of a sudden they get a phone call the next day saying, "Oh, X Y Z person has come in and actually offered." By twenty grand more, can you up it? There's just no regulation on this. There's just and, and it's it's spiraling into such a state of chaos that it's just never. It seems like it's never ever going to stop. So I, I suppose it means a verbal agreement isn't worth the paper it's not mm-hmm. written on, so to speak. No, Unless like, you have contracts sale agreed, you can be gazumped. Even then, I mean, like it's it's just pure avarice. Yeah, I mean, like, like you can't trust these people. And like as well, even like reading this article today and seeing that there was a quote from a Fianna Fáil councillor saying like, "Oh, it's terrible." It's like I'm sorry, you don't you, you don't get to say that, man. You, like you you don't get to like the current government doesn't get to. 
comment, uh, you know, like, like further browse and say, oh, it's very sad, isn't it? Because that's, that, that's all they keep saying. Oh, it's very sad, isn't it? But they show the true colours, as they did this week, and will continue to. This isn't the end of this. It's not going to stop. It's only getting worse. And I don't know who's going to step in, but I'm not sure anybody is. I'd love to know who the single buyer is. That's all I'll say. I'd love to know. Is because it when it's a vulture only, fund? Is it... Is it a rich local? Mm-hmm. Because there are rules in place as to stamp duty on bulk purchases, but I don't think it's as small as seven. It's when you have more than ten houses. Right, okay, yeah, there's probably... And this is like phase one of the development. I think there's a second phase as well. But um, but it also shows as well that this thing of institutional funds or bulk purchases is not an urban phenomenon exclusively, that it's also hitting rural Ireland as well. I've been aware of purchases in places like Carlow as well. Yeah, but the housing crisis is sort of... It, it is extending far beyond just the urban centres now. I think there, there's great difficulty in finding anywhere to live. Even, like, I live in Galway and even anecdotally I've heard how difficult it is to find rental properties from friends. So I have friends who have moved out of Galway because they were evicted and couldn't find anywhere else to live. Well, here's another one from a listener. Don't read my name, please. I won't. I know a council worker who was buying a house and was then told that the council, his employer, had bought the whole row. And another listener suggests that these houses in Mayo may have been bought by a local authority. I did wonder that. Because actually, when you actually do the sums, there are more houses bought by the state to local authorities and housing agencies than are bought by institutions. So the state actually is the competitor that people may have for buying houses. And yet there's no houses for people, and yet we can't help people, and yet it's the same old rhetoric every single week, every single quarter when these like reports get published, and it's just a case of less and less and less available properties that cost more and more and more. And yeah, as Adele says, to echo that, it's it's all about scarcity properties. It's no wonder like they're moving into rural areas, because where else are they going to go? Like it's, it's, it's just such a horrendous trash fire of a situation, and it... Like, it's just and getting if, worse. If this is a local property, obviously we don't know who's a, a local authority that's bought um, these. We don't know who has bought them. But if it is, like gazumping families and couples who are, you know, now essentially homeless is not the way to solve the homeless crisis. Let's move on to France, where they're having riots almost about pensions. Uh, tell us a little bit of what's going on here, Adele. Oh, well, the French. I mean, you've got to love them, don't you? I just think they stand by their no, principles. Not next Monday night when they're playing football against us, <laughs> but anyway. That is the one exception. But um, look, we all know the French are absolutely brilliant at striking. They're brilliant at standing by their principles and they're brilliant at making their point really felt. There's thousands of tonnes of uh, refuse on the streets of beautiful Paris at the moment. They are making their presence felt. And it's all to do with this um, amendment that Macron wants to make to uh, the retirement age. He wants to raise it from 62 to 64. And... um, the French are up in arms, obviously, because... 64? Aren't they lucky if they only go to 64? <laughs> but this is how... we see, it's all about creep, Matt, isn't it? You know, if they go to 64 this year, they'll be up at 67 in a few years' time. For Macron, sorry, it's a basic economic problem. That's demographic shifts. Exactly. Because people are living longer, older, better health. And having less children, and uh, there's not enough people in the working market to um, provide money for the pensioners, obviously. But the French have a tradition and a, um, a philosophy around work, which is you know, their retirement is very well paid and it is considered the time where they get to enjoy their lives. But you see, Dave, it's younger people who end up suffering the consequences of this because I know there's all this sympathy. People should be allowed to retire at a relatively young age and enjoy the rest of the life. And I can understand that. But it also means that younger people 
pick up the tab through higher taxes and being unable to get houses. Yeah, and also like this whole thing is a reflection of just how it's not. It's more than like like I'm all for people who are like who want to work to whenever they want to work. I mean, like there are many positive stories of people at all kinds of industries who are like, no, no, I want to keep going, and that's on that's on them. But it shouldn't be it shouldn't become some kind of military service issue. And also for the for the youth of France in particular, I mean, yeah, well, look, a riot like is the rhyme of the unheard right now. And while it is escalating and it is like violence has joined the party as these things do like why are Irish people not doing the same thing when it comes to the eviction ban like like why like like France of course is known for people that revolution because that suggests we don't care as much I mean it's a tough it's a tough one I don't I, I don't want to say that I mean in fairness I'm, I'm, I'm not saying but like, sorry no maybe it's that people get worked up about things like their own pensions but don't get worked up about other people being evicted well it's also the fact as well that Macron has used special powers here to kind of you know f- force this through and there's no vote there's no referendum people aren't having a say and people are saying well if he's going to do that with this, well then that could happen with something else. Now granted when his term ends, this time he'll be done but it sets a precedent and it tells people, we don't care about you, we don't want you to have rights and we're not going to listen to you, hence the rioting. And yeah, in Ireland, at the moment like well, what we're going through, I, I kind of can't believe that it hasn't come to this, but also yeah, I don't know, I mean like, I think And we are on the last word, Dave Hanratty <laughs> tries to incite riots. I mean, like if I may like, like uncivil, your country. uncivil disobedience has its purposes you know, don't kill anybody, but you know well, you're on your own in that one, David, aside from the rights, OK? Um, of course, also somebody to point out today that, of course, one of the victims of this is uh, Britain's King Charles. His visit to France has been postponed. A man who is 73 has just taken on his first ever full-time job rather than retiring. <laughs> to finish, tell us about Gwyneth Paltrow, Adele. What's happened to her now? Oh, poor old Gwyneth. Now, she's... Um, she being... ain't poor. She's very wealthy <laughs> with all that stuff she hawks. She, she is indeed. Um, she is in court at the moment. She's been sued by this um, septuagenarian man who um, she allegedly crashed into on the ski slopes of Utah. Now, apparently it all comes down to etiquette. Ski etiquette. How's your ski etiquette, Matt? I have no idea what Me that neither. Means. Anyway, apparently, if you're downhill of a skier, you're the person with the right of way. So they're both claiming that they were downhill of each other. Um, and they're both claiming that the other one is responsible for the crash. But... Um, He's claiming he's suing her for three hundred thousand. It was initially three million, and she's countersuing for um, one dollar and her legal costs. But um, apparently, he's suffered all sorts of um, ill health ever since. And also, what I thought was quite fascinating was he's gone from being gregarious, charming, and outgoing to not charming anymore. So, I mean, that alone is worth suing over. But I, I, Gwyneth is having a rough old time of it. Uh, like, as always, people are commenting on her, her appearance. Um, she's a 50-year-old woman and she doesn't appear to wear makeup. And people You're wearing are, a sweater very like one of the ones that was, she was wearing to court one day, are you? Do you spend as much on your jumpers Gwyneth. as Gwyneth does? Only, well, what I would say is that Gwyneth and I, what we have in common is that we both look haggard these days. And, not uh, at all. <laughs> not in your case at all. You don't have a net worth of $200 million, Unfortunately, do Unfortunately, no. <laughs> Wait till she sells those books for big movies. On the uh, on the appearance thing, I mean, I did see a tweet that I found very funny, which I thought was on the the right side of the appearance thing. Someone said, because she's you, got the big glasses, the no makeup, the big white sweater, and there's a photo of her, and someone said, Gwyneth Paltrow looks like she's on, on trial in 1987 for hiring a hitman to kill her husband. <laughs> and she does. It looks like a true crime documentary. Uh, at a certain point, Gwyneth Paltrow stopped being an actress and she became a living meme. This situation is bizarre. It's, it's interesting that the guy that she allegedly smashed into is a doctor. So, you know, if, you know, like, knows how to play the game, I, 
I would suggest in terms of symptoms and you know all it's these. It's not gregarious anymore. Like who among us, man? Charming. You know I mean? It's still gregarious and outgoing, just not charming. Yeah, I mean, how does this end? Probably uh, thrown out of court. Probably. I'm so surprised, surprised that it's got to court. Like yeah. 300 grand. Like, I, I'm not suggesting that. Obviously, you know, Gwyneth is a she, her her um, defense lawyers are, are claiming that he's attacking her celebrity. He's using the fact that she's a celebrity, thinking, okay, this is easy money. Um, but uh, you know, you just think that this would have uh, come to she some sort of settlement. A few more of her favorite scented candles. I know. She? What's your favorite? Adele <laughs> Coffee and Dave Hanratty, thank you very much for being with us for the week trending. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30.